2: Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics is up next and we're going to
3: follow Brandon with John Pollock from Post Wrestling Thank you and good afternoon everyone But we can't ignore the math, okay? We can't ignore the data Go on Google Trends, type in your name then type in mine You're a straight line, I'm a pyramid
0: I like the very direct question on that
1: Television ratings Downward spiral, fire rates plummeted!
3: The time is now to turn the math around.
0: And that warm applause welcomes us into another edition of Pollock and Thurston here on Wednesday, December the sixth. I am John Pollock, joined from the B town of Buffalo, New York. <laughs> what what level is Buffalo? Brandon, as we will be discussing uh, throughout the discussion, I think you're no lo- you're no lower than than a B level town.
2: Uh I have some maps ready here for today. Uh, oh, Buffalo, I can't wait for this. Buffalo is uh, I think yeah, Buffalo's a B it's a B county. Yeah. It's a B yes. county. I can't tell you what what Toronto is. Does does Canada have counties?
0: No, not really. You don't do more counties of a, okay. Yeah. Um okay. yes. So in the in in the political realm, there's gerrymandering. Here in professional wrestling, we have we have a different way that the map is divided, and maybe Mark Shapiro is going to give us a, a little more color, as they say, in regards to uh the how they how they distinguish what towns they're going to be visiting. But uh that is all to come. We're gonna be catching up on all the latest news and first time maybe we're gonna have a doctor on the show. Is that accurate, Brandon?
2: I think so. I don't I don't think we've been visited yet on this program by
0: someone who has a PhD. We are gonna be joined by Chris Ely of the NWA podcast. He has done a lot of work, both for post-wrestling and WrestleNomics. He is going to be chatting with us a little later on. Do you want to give a bit of a teaser, Brandon, for those that have not seen uh, some of your analysis that we'll be talking about uh, with Chris? You have done some, some great breakdowns that we're, we're going to uh, make sense of.
2: Well, WrestleNomics has obtained uh, race demographic data, income data, and education data for all of the wrestling programs that are on uh, us television, all the W programs, all three of them, all three, AEW shows impact new Japan and wow. Uh, so we have data for that. Uh, the, the one on race demographics is free at wrestling. for everyone. And the
0: one on income and education is for subscribers. Okay. So we're going to be going through all of those charts and what they, what they reflect about the, the pro wrestling industry and then breaking them down by promotion as well. What we can uh, glean from these numbers. Also, if you would like to get a super chat in, you are welcome to do so throughout the show. And, uh, we will make, make sure to get to all of your questions. If you have any for myself, Brandon or Chris a little later on as he will be with us for the back half of the show, but we are going to the big three letters this week in pro wrestling media. I'm talking about UBS as they had. Their media conference this week, and Brandon, this is great stuff for engagement, is it not?
2: Well, he had a lot of comments, and uh, I think the, the biggest story um, in terms of fan engagement, what was the notion that he wants to cut on house shows? Mark Shapiro, who's the – by the way, he's the, the COO. I think he he has dual titles, right? He's president the and
0: COO. I and
2: COO. I think he has the same titles for both Endeavor and TKO. Anyway, uh, he was not accompanied by Ari Emanuel, who he is sometimes accompanied by for appearances like this, but he wants to cut house shows. Um, and there's some talk about raw rights as well.
0: When you listen to this for the first time, what did you think was going to be the biggest uh, takeaway from, from this? Because this is a 30 minute conversation that he had. There was a lot of news packed into this. If you're looking for some insight into the post merger plans that are in the immediate future for them, but did, Did the house show strike you as, okay, this is going to be the big takeaway people have of this conversation.
2: When I listen to it, I I, I think in terms of what fans would be interested in, in terms of how fans experiences are going to be changed, you know, I mean, it's one thing to think about whether raw is going to get more money or less money and whether it's on a different network is a big deal. But in terms of, whether people who live in the dreaded C counties or D counties are going to continue to have house shows that that will affect their, their fan experience. So, um, but I, I didn't expect big news to be broken here. I guess, you know, we, we've had reports and slash rumors that raw is close to finalizing a deal. I don't know.
0: I don't have any sense
2: whether that's true myself, but, um,
0: he gave us a big window that it could be closed tomorrow or next summer, whatever works Anytime. for the broadcasters out there. We can go before the NBA, after the NBA, get your checkbook in order. We'll do whatever you want. We're flexible. We're creative. Do whatever you need with RAW. We're here.
2: Literally, the night before their de- their current deal expires,
0: he said. He said that. literally, the September thirtieth, two thousand twenty-four. Mark it on your calendar. Mark Shapiro is going to sit down and he's just going to pick up the phone and highest bidder gets RAW. That's that's how it sounds like. So don't don't be worrying about all this stuff now um but why don't, why don't you take us in the direction you want to go because we have isolated uh some some quotes so we can hear mark shapiro in context and then we can respond in kind because there, were, there was a lot packed into this this chat on monday
2: sure so we'll we'll play first a clip where he talks about how shows and then towards the end he's also talking about your favorite thing more ufc fight nights coming up
3: okay wwe just as an example though let's remember they have over 300 events a year with 170 televised so there's probably, while all those other fights, there's a reason to have them, those cards, those, or excuse me, those, uh, you know, superstar events on WWE, while there's a reason to have them because it's good for the brand, we're building audience, we're, we're putting them on in C&D counties, so we're really stretching the brand and we're, we're kind of amassing uh, a greater array of eyeballs from all demos, so it's good for our long-term growth. From a margin perspective, they are dilutive. So there's probably an opportunity as we go through our, our efficiencies and our, our synergy opportunities to cut back on some of those non-televised events, which of course will push push our margin up. On the UFC side, uh, you know we, uh, we, we continue to see the same opportunities and an opportunity to add more fights beyond the Dana White Contender Series, to your point, beyond the pay-per-views, beyond the 42. Not just waiting for when we go to market. There's an opportunity in our ESPN deal right now to add more cars and more cards and we're exploring that right now.
0: I was just stating the other day, there's not enough there's not enough MMA events out there. There's not enough UFC. I mean, once a weekend is just not enough for people that, that need more. So Mark Shapiro thankfully is addressing this scarcity in the marketplace for the UFC. But yes, uh, C and D counties dilutive to the margins, Brandon something we we cannot have so i mean this is not something new this is kind of the strategy that they took a number of years ago was in cutting down the the lesser performing house shows although coming at a time when you know wwe live events are generally i mean are doing you know pretty pretty good business by this stretch but they're obviously looking at the cost involved and is it worth running a town that is going to draw us $3,500 Thirty five hundred versus you know the cost of putting these talents on the road and what is largely a television rights business and keeping up these house shows, which I can see the Endeavor side looking at this and maybe not seeing a whole lot of value in these these house shows.
2: Yeah, I mean, first I, I just noticed a lot of euphemisms there that I was really impressed with, um, dilutive to the margins, which is yeah. just a a, a, a a way to to cover your words. So it, I think it makes it. Makes it harder for lay people to understand you're talking about unprofitable in this case house shows. Um, he accidentally called WWE events, fights and cards. No, they are superstar events.
0: Sounds like he's been talking to Vince McMahon. Um, but yeah, like you said, this this is the new, um, this is the new like Carney that like the, the invest, the investment in in community all speaks in like their coded language that, uh, we we can't just, uh, flat out state what we are trying to mean.
2: Yeah. But, Live events is a pretty small uh, portion of the business. So for people watching in video, I, I broke out the last twelve well, the twelve months from July first of last year to June thirtieth of, of this year before things get sort of complicated with the with the merger timing. But it just it should give some visualization into how much of this business now in W's case is media. And when we say media in this context, we just really mean some form of video, especially live broadcasts that which are raw smackdown even nxt whether or not it's taped uh the ple's um but you know what was once a live events business and is built around this nomenclature of sell tickets and put butts in seats it's become a pretty small portion of the business um and it's pretty true for for aw as well uh and and his perspective is you know why are we in in the live events business to this extent still when you're doing house shows um And there's no media revenue being driven against them. When you're taping Raw, there is. When you're taping SmackDown, there is. When you're taping a a premium live event, there is. But when you're just selling tickets and, and they must have the numbers to show that these individual cases of smaller market towns, uh, those aren't profitable. So that's apparently what he's pushing for there. And he's, he, him and Ari are the boss. So it's up to them.
0: I spoke with, uh, someone at WWE today who was just kind of conveying like the two sides of the coin on, you know, reducing live events and this person's, kind of the, the two sides were that you know on the one hand they they utilize a lot of freelancers for the these shows so those are people very much um th- that need all the more shows the better that there's there would likely be you know we're less stage stagehands and things like that things like that as well of course there's also the, like the argument especially at the NXT level of a value of live events that can't be seen in profits and losses the other side of it is talent that looks at this that this is a very small area of the wwe's business is it worth the wear and tear that we're putting on our bodies being away from from home and that seems to be a generational shift that there is certainly going to be those talents that they want to be on the road live that lifestyle but there's quite a lot of them that i think do value time at home and having a semblance of a normal life that is not just constantly living out of a suitcase being on the road going to the next town and you have seen that reduction in the schedule that i'm sure many have gotten used to and realized this this is a much better balanced wwe schedule than of even 10 years ago
2: yeah I, I was looking at the numbers today i think it's it's around 200 main roster events that they do um obviously they're still doing those really small nxt shows in florida that are house shows for the purpose of getting people experience um but when people talk about whether or not the live events business is worth it, and one of the first things that people bring up is, well, with the venue merch, is, does it make it worth it? And the answer is probably not. Um, but there are other values like marketing. You could say that even if you lose money on a given house show, you're still creating memories for, for people and, and building fandom by having people actually be there in person. And, and as you mentioned, you're getting wrestlers experience, especially the less experienced wrestlers who really need the experience. Uh, you're getting, getting the reps in for them. Um, so there are values there whether or not it's worth whatever they're losing. And again, we don't know exactly what they're losing. There were quarters, especially pre pandemic. I don't think there were any yet post pandemic, especially now since ticket sales have improved and they are r- running a, a lighter load than they have pre pandemic. Um, but there were quarters, whole quarters pre pandemic where their live events division was unprofitable. It lost money. Um, It lost maybe a million dollars or several hundred thousand dollars. Um So it was, dilutive to the margins uh, on the whole, um, in, in terms of how they do their
0: accounting. So, yes, we will, we will look, and this had come out uh, a number of years ago, whenever there was that kind of like annual lawsuit that WWE would go through of, you know, inauthentic merchandise that was out there. And there was one year, I remember we got the breakdown of like, what, what classification each city is like your A towns, your B towns. I think it went down through like sea level, but you did literally have the ranking of what cities are. And I'm sure most people can that follow like attendance figures can figure out what are, you know, sort of the, the range of where they are.
2: Yeah, I don't know if there's a, there's a formal standard categorization for this ABCD. Um, but I do have some Nielsen data that that categorized them that way. And again, I, I don't know what exactly the, the criteria is here. But um I'm guessing it's like quartiles of population. But I, I put what we have here for people watching videos, I here we have a map of the U S and I've marked in these light blue circles. This is where every WWE event has happened and it's bigger circles. If there's been more than one event uh in this year, 2023 um, and we've got it sort of color coded. So you can see that most of the events that they do are in a or B towns. I was looking at at least in the U S right. We don't know. You don't even do counties in Canada, um, but there's about 20, at least 23 house shows that I could find that they, that they did or are going to do this year that were in C or D counties. So would
0: theoretically be on the cut list, uh, in future tours. All right. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving then. And, uh, cause there's a lot to explore here with one Mark Shapiro. What is up next, Brandon? Sure. Um, we have his, he was talking about
2: production cuts. And as we know, there were, um, some W layoffs and, and uh, TKO foresees 50 to $100 million of annual savings as a result of the merger. And uh, Mark Shapiro has some experience in production.
3: Frankly, you know, I, 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 think there's a lot more. I know there's a lot more uh, just from a production standpoint. Just think of how many events we televise, we put on, we bring, we bring the show on the road, we bring trucks out to different cities, whether it's the cloud or it's cameras or it's tape machines, replay graphics, operators, stuff we can do AI back at our headquarters uh, in either Vegas for UFC or our Stanford production facility for the WWE, there are a lot of production efficiencies. Um, uh, even if our production chiefs want to tell me there's not, frankly, I worked at ESPN for 12 years. I oversaw all production. I've been through all the song and dance with every producer who you know treats every tape machine and camera like it's a baby and doesn't want to give it up. Um, and we're here to improve our margins.
0: That was a a Merry Christmas from Mark Shapiro to all of the production staff out there. And I would, I would love to be a fly on the wall for a sit down discussion between uh, Mark Shapiro and Kevin Dunn potentially, but yes, Mark Shapiro, um, yeah, if you've been following uh, the actors and, and writers strike and this huge fight over AI, um, here here's what a situation looks like where uh, yeah, we can replace a lot of these humans with technology, and it would uh, it would definitely help our margins. He and mentioned sounds- AI,
2: and I think not in that clip, but he did mention AI around this subject.
0: Yeah. So it would seem that, you know, the the idea that they are done with their their cost cutting hardly the case. And it would seem like production, you would imagine that there is a lot of redundancy there between WWE and UFC when you're looking at the different departments and crossover. But I mean, in all of these things, you know, the, you hear from a Mark Shapiro that the number one target is reducing as many costs as possible as assigned to Wall Street. But you also have areas of the company that would be let us not compromise our quality to such a degree either that that's sort of the balance of a merger of what you're going through here. But typically it's the cost cutting that wins out.
2: Yeah. And he mentioned the production facilities, right? So um, UFC has a production facility. Is, is that the apex in Las Vegas? Yes. That's where they run yeah, all of their production out of. And W they, they do have a production facility in Stanford, which is like a separate building down the street from the main headquarters. Uh, I don't know. Certainly not recently have they run uh, any, any in-ring events there. Um, They do have the PC, um, but something in sort of related to the live events issue is that maybe, maybe they would do a residency or some sort of permanent, um, some sort of permanent live events. Maybe, maybe even in like a theme park or something like that, as we've seen, you know, WCW through the years do uh, universal studios and things like that. Like, I, I wonder if, that's not something that they're thinking about. And I think this is a, a point that Chris Selmer had brought up like over a year ago about, you know, maybe that's in, in place of house shows. And, in, and because most of the expense comes from the travel, uh, the loading in and the loading out. But if you're just fixed in one position, one position, uh, then you save a lot uh, of expense that way. So I think m- maybe that's a possibility. And maybe, you know, they, who knows, we'll have W events at the uh, UFC
0: Apex eventually someday. Can we, can we get, uh, AI ring technicians that can put the ring up and uh get get to, get to that point put uh everyone's pertinent information on a cloud just you know robotics. one person sent to the building and it's just turnkey that could be yeah. the goal of of where we get to uh,
2: eventually when AI is good enough we'll have robotics that will be the next uh, big investment
0: what could go wrong all right the uh
2: the next clip from uh
0: Mr. Shapiro
2: sure and then we have site fees um yes. where, we, where we get numbers listed off one by one. This is what I, I thought was going to be
3: a deal so in Australia with the government there for 16 million dollars to bring uh, really a combination of events to Australia. As you know, we did a deal for roughly 20 million to bring a fight card. Again, just a fight night, not a championship pay per view night. Just a fight night for 20 million to Saudi Arabia. Uh, we get you know roughly 25 million every time we do an event in Abu Dhabi, just site fees. And WWE is getting over a hundred million for the two events they do uh, in Saudi Arabia every year.
0: So before uh, Mr. Shapiro rudely cut me off, that's what I I thought was going to be the big uh, takeaway from this was some of these actual figures more so on the MMA end that I, I have never seen these disclosed before of this amount Abu Dhabi. They've been running for years and you can see why it is such a lucrative uh, set of shows for them. But again, we just talked about this deal that, um, Reportedly, Vince McMahon had a big hand in coordinating with the government in Saudi Arabia, uh, but a $20 million uh, amount that they are receiving for this fight night card that will be staged in March, um, below what a WWE event goes for. But again, this is a much more scaled down UFC event than a massive uh, pay-per-view um, in comparison to a WWE show. But And then $16 million in Australia for, quote, a combination of events. So we will see what that all entails, but it would certainly sound like this is not just limited to that Elimination Chamber show that's been announced for Perth. Yeah. And
2: there's no UFC events announced in Australia, is there?
0: No, no, not as a, as of now, but you you could imagine that this, I don't know if this would be concerning like a weekend of events or that this is, you know, plotted throughout the first two quarters or something like that, that you would think a, a UFC event would be tied to at some point
2: because 16 for i mean i I'll ruling out the saudi arabia deal for WWE 16 million for a site fee for for just one WWE show would be many many times larger than any other site fee that i know of um it would probably be bigger than what they're getting for wrestlemania i would guess I, i would guess that maybe that is a few million that they're getting for wrestlemania each year but 16 would be obviously a lot more than that um it'll be interesting to see if the the fight night that they do in saudi arabia that seems to be just a one event deal that doesn't sound like a longer term deal and maybe that's sort of a test run to see if they want to do a longer term deal like we has
0: yeah and it was also later stated in the discussion on monday about the idea of piggybacking these wwe and ufc shows that they have mentioned but again looking for the right site fee like if we're going to do this we want to be paid handsomely for it and i would imagine they are they are shopping this as a two event uh, at, at minimum two event structure. You could always tack on a, a SmackDown or something like that and make it this giant weekend at a government of choice that is uh, willing to spend these millions to bring both companies to, to their country.
2: Yep. And we, we know they're going to do Berlin and we don't know if Berlin, the brawl in Berlin, Berlin they're going to do in September. If that's a slight fee um, it's a big enough market that maybe it's not. Uh, the, the show that they're doing in France almost certainly is uh, they're doing doing those two and Australia. Uh, but he, he mentioned, because the uh, the moderator asked him, how many markets do you th- really think there are for this? And I think, what did he say, 20 or 50, something in that range of, of I guess, what I'm guessing is mostly international locations that would want, that aren't such big cities that they're already tourist destinations, but uh, that would want a, a, a major event. Um, I guess London, if they really want uh, WrestleMania might be an exception with WrestleMania being such a big event.
0: And we will uh, finish off with one more clip here from uh, Mark Shapiro at the uh, UBS conference. Sure. And this is just him talking about uh, the, the Raw deal timing.
3: We have time, we can be flexible, we can be patient. Our job is to maximize uh, the rights value of Raw. Uh, and I would tell you at the same time, just remember that we're, we do all the production. So we just, we just feed you, you kind of take it in and you air it or you charge for it. So we can literally wait till the night before if, if we want to, to, uh, decide where we're going to go in the, in the next deal.
0: The night before, just call up, uh, Mark Shapiro. So yes, the, the raw rights will be up, uh, the end of the third quarter, 2024. And. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously the, uh, the, the reports out there about Nick Khan and Paul Levesque recently going to LA to the extent that, uh, Paul Levesque missed, uh, CM Punk's second night back with, with the company at, at Raw and how far along this is or is not. You certainly got the sense with Mark Shapiro. This, it did not sound based on his answer that a deal is imminent. Like it seems to be as though there's active talks, but it, I didn't get the impression that we're, we should be expecting a press release to be dropping tomorrow or something like that.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't take anything he says there is too definitive towards what's happening or not happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the offices, you know, most of the people that they would, they would want to talk to are probably in LA for whether that's Disney, which FX seems like the likeliest place if they end up with Disney, uh, Amazon studios in LA. Um, I suppose they could have just been meeting with, uh, with TKO executives in LA. Um, But yeah, everybody's there that they would need to talk to, except for maybe NBC. I think they're in Philadelphia, but maybe they have offices in LA as well.
0: How do you feel Mark Shapiro is in this role as one of the uh, like front facing people of the company? I mean, he has a lot of media experience having his role at ESPN as the head of programming. And I mean, if you, do you get the sense that Mark Shapiro might be one of the more kind of public figures um, that that's out there? for TKO it's definitely going to be him and Ari from here on right like
2: they're going to do these conference appearances that that Nick used to do that back in the day George Barry used to do um it's going to be them it's going to be them on the the earnings calls apparently it's not going to be any WWE people any UFC people um it's going to be them and uh I don't know he 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 sounds like a like a guy you 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 know and you can talk to but he also uh, has lots of buzzwords in his pocket um I can say you know Around the context of the layoffs that happened, uh, last week at WWE, uh, and kind of th- throwing the, the UFC and WE production chiefs under the bus there and like making it public that he's having disagreements with them apparently. Um, these are,
0: that was very passed. noteworthy.
2: Yeah. Uh, he also kind of bragged about they wiped out the WWE analytics group and, uh, they're all doing it, uh, at Endeavor, according to him. So. So, you know things like that i mean from an employee perspective it, it, it doesn't sound it's not endearing to uh to, to him as a leader but he's clearly you know good at speaking in these things
0: yes and also made mention of course of the endeavor flywheel that i think yes. by by contract they have to mention at least once in these discussions as well. yet? have to be loyal to the flywheel yes um just wanted to talk about a few more things and then we're going to bring in uh chris ely but uh AEW all-in ticket sales. We've got the latest figure from WrestleTix. So last week, the pre-sale occurred, and then the public on-sale was on Friday. So we, we've we had just over a week since the pre-sale and less than that for uh, the public to have access to tickets. And WrestleTicks reporting 36,332 tickets out thus far with nine months to go until the show, which I would say I'd be very happy with this number if I was AEW, if you had any hesitancy about... Man, are we coming back too soon? What is the overall demand for, for a follow up show? Um, this would certainly suggest that there is a very strong amount of people who uh, wanted to jump on tickets now. And I think that we'll see many more that are going to be more patient and wait till uh, closer to the show where that seems to be a growing trend of waiting for prices to come down.
2: Yeah. It's, it's stronger than I would have predicted uh, based on just the vibes that are out there about, about- AEW as a brand right now. And you can look at what their attendance was last night for Collision in Montreal, where they did under 3000 for the first time in the market. I know they're doing two shows
0: there. I mean, uh, but- I would have been very disappointed with last night, even being Collision. And I know that it's Collision is more limited in terms of its access here in Canada, but regardless, it's AEW coming to Montreal. It's Kenny Omega in a, in a match regardless. And I, I just thought their first time in Montreal, um, even when we combine tonight, which will be much, much stronger and has the, the bigger focus, I would say it was like this was a market that I certainly thought could have staged a pay-per-view. And for the right card, I think could have been very high.
2: Yeah, uh, WrestleTix has last night at 2,852. So, so they're taping
0: Collision first. In yes, real time,
2: that has happened, but it's not going to air until Saturday and the Dynamite will happen tonight.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that. Maybe the Bell Center wasn't available on Thursday or Friday, and they wanted to do back-to-back nights. that That's my only thought of it, and they didn't want to tape Dynamite and then have two taped shows. That's my only thinking, um, because we have never seen something like this from Collision in its short history. But it's going to be very awkward that, I mean, they did do this uh significant injury angle on Collision. We won't get into uh, spoilers for people out there, because I'll hear it from everybody. But you have to kind of go now back in time with tonight's show that has to proceed what is going to air on Saturday and how
2: you handle all of that. So you you think with Tony Khan being a WCW fan, maybe he would do some uh, negative uh, title reigns or something like that. Um, But uh, Dynamite is for tonight is at 4,457 as of the last count for WrestleTix, 4,000, about 4,500. So better, but you know, we're still under 5,000 here. And that's, but I mean, that's usually in the range of what Dynamite has done. But again, there, this is first time in the market for
0: uh, Montreal. All right. Well, at this point, we're going to welcome in our guest. You have heard him on the NWA podcast, a staple on post-wrestling as well as a lot of his uh, written contributions to WrestleNomics. We are bringing in the doctor himself, Chris Ely, who is here with us. How are you? Hey,
1: doing, so hey, I couldn't get my uh headset to work right, so I'm just letting y'all know right now if I sound bad, just feel you free sound to clear, me You sound crystal clear,
0: Chris. Uh, right, just awesome. the way everyone wants uh wants to be hearing you. Uh Um, any kind of thoughts just on, on, uh, some of the, the subject matter that we were just discussing from, uh, Mark Shapiro's chat earlier this week at the, uh, the UBS, uh, conference and how, how you felt this, this merger has gone down so far, any kind of, um, takeaways you've had this, this early into this marriage between the UFC and WWE.
1: The takeaway that I have from the merger is it's not Vince McMahon's company anymore. It's just, um, it's a, it's, uh, um in business psychology um it's called systems theory. it's just a big system with a bunch of little systems in it and um this is just how how they're gonna roll now and um i i i I don't think the goals are exactly the same as they used to be, but i think um i, I think it's i think they're in good shape you know from just the infancy of this.
0: It's going to be very interesting, I would say, to see the the sort of, because typically when these deals go down, it's it's presented as, you know, this big celebratory moment. Oh, we're getting right. together. This is huge news. Mm-hmm. And it's usually awful news for the person the yeah. <laughs> who go down the totem pole <clears throat> and you hear a comment like Mark Shapiro about "Man, there's way more redundancies to be had. Right, yeah. Citing the exact department. And that's always like, you you definitely sense like, a gigantic attitude and morale shift in the ufc when when they were purchased back in 2016 yeah. of like they were still able to maintain this kind of like mom and pop shop feel even though it was you know dana white and the fortitas were making gigantic amounts of money but you had a much more kind of it, it was for many of the fighters it was as though we were still in the struggle to get the ufc into the mainstream and once they were sold for so much that's when the fighter pay discussion really erupted and you, you did see that big shift. And now we are like, we're part of this like corporation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's, uh, you're, you're a part of a corporation now. It's not you, you're, you're, um, the, the way it used to be is not how it is anymore. And this is something that I've dealt with. I've been in the middle of these kind of deep cleanings where, um, a company, um, is bought by another company or taken over by another company, whatever the case is. Um, people are going to get fired. Um, roles are going to change and, um, whatever the old boss, uh, promise to honor, um, isn't always going to be the same once a new company buys. Um, so, um, I, th- I think it's is going to just be a um a a growing period for everyone and and you know they'll f- everyone's going to find out where they fit in um I think relatively fast um with I'd say within the next couple years or so.
0: So we're having Chris on to talk about um these breakdowns that Brandon has uh, put together yeah. uh through some data at the, the US Census Bureau which is a bookmark I think on on every Every listener's uh
2: So, so yeah. the, the, the data is from Nielsen because so it's, it's related to TV viewership. But I did compare it against the general population using U.S. Census data.
0: Uh, so where would you like to start, Brandon? You have uh, several breakdowns here, including uh, race, education, income breakdowns. And I think it's pretty pretty noteworthy information here to just get get a sense of like what what the audience makeup is in present day.
2: Yeah, well, in, in terms of race, and this is something that we've looked at uh, at least two other times in the past, uh, looking at TV viewership. And it's it's the case that AEW's TV shows uh, don't have as many black viewers in, in terms of percentage as other uh, wrestling programs do. So in the case of W programs, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, they're all at or over a quarter of the audience uh, are black viewers. And that's roughly the case for Impact, New Japan, and WoW. WoW is actually the highest at 31%. Um, but Dynamite especially, and that's their most watched show by a fair margin, uh, Dynamite has the smallest percentage of black viewers at 16%. So that that has continued to be the case. Um, and if we look at this over time, it's there haven't been major changes here, at least in, in terms of dynamite, yeah. at about the same level since we started looking at this in 2021.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not surprised by these numbers. I think, I think AEW, they might start turning around um, in 2024 with, um, with uh, Ricky Starks and a swerve uh, being in more prominent positions. Um, I, um the WWE's numbers, they, they don't surprise me because it's kind of legacy television. So I expect it. But, um, the thing with them is I just, um, I, on our show, um, we did last month, uh, Brandon, we were looking at the merch numbers, um, your numbers and WWE's numbers. And there was no black talent on either list. So I I think both companies right now, um, NXT is they, um, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little better, but it's like, I, I don't, I don't know where, um, where black talent fits in those companies at the moment, especially, um, with WWE currently, um, because i'm not
0: AEW was uh tuning in uh chris and that led to uh powerhouse hobbs new shirt big black and jacked
1: <laughs> yeah i haven't seen that shirt yet I'll, I'll i'll give i'll give it a look um i'll buy it um yeah um yeah no see yeah, and that's the thing too with the merch It's it's got to be good merch that people want to buy um and the talent has to be over to a degree where people want to buy the merchandise um and, um, I like, even like with, with, with the, um, list that, uh, Brandon put out with the WWE talent. Um, there's, I'm not surprised by the list because the, like there's nobody in WWE right now, um, that's black whose merchandise I'd actually like just speaking of a, of a fanboy, as a fanboy that just likes buying stuff. Um, there's no one's merchandise right now that there's no one on the roster right now where it's like, Oh, I need to buy this person's shirt. Um, Cause I think a lot of this stuff is silly. You know, I don't understand what's going on with Lashley or the street profits. Um, I don't understand. I, I don't know what the new day's new role is. I guess it's just to, to be there and be a constant on a television. Um, but you know, it is what it is at this point. Um, and the viewership is always gonna, it seems like to me, it's always going to be a reflection of like merchandise and all of that. Um, AEW, um, at least with collision, that's just not an appointment show for me to watch anymore. And the beginning it was, and now I, I kind of catch it even when I DVR it, I, you know, if I, if I'm, I could go weeks without watching it. I sometimes like, if, if we're doing a show, um, on that, um, Sunday, I'll go back and watch like, you know, a month's worth of collisions and just fast forward through stuff just to get through it. Um, and I think that, um, I think it's easy to take, um, an audience for uh, for granted and expect them to always be there. Um, and I um, am not. Sh- I, I don't know what uh, Tony Khan is doing as far as uh, like catering to black audiences. Um, if he's um, if it's a priority to him, because anytime I hear him in a scrum call, he'll say. He'll, he'll, he'll allude to it being important, but <clears throat> um, there's just, I don't know, there's so many things going on there. It's hard for me to just kind of, you know, say exactly what it is.
2: In, in terms of, like, the, the audience composition of, of AEW, it's, it's about a third female, the audience is, mm-hmm. um, which is a little lower than what WB uh, has. So yeah. it's a, it's a wider audience. It's a more male audience. Mm. And I always remember, like, when I was working indie shows, and I remember, like, a, you know, the handful of times where I worked, like, what people will call super indies. And I remember, like, having my match, and then after the show, you know, watching some of the matches fr- from the back of the building and looking around and being like, it's, it looks, this looks like it's, you know, overwhelmingly white men here. And people think of AEW as this sort of more hardcore wrestling product. Like, is there something about that? that culture or that, that scene that just makes it not as accessible or welcoming to, to people who are, who aren't white men.
1: Probably. Um, I remember going to an ECW show when I was like 16 or 17 and yeah, it was, the vibe there was, that's not a show you bring a date to at I least in Smoky mine. mountain
0: shows you were going to.
1: Oh yeah. Those were nuts, man. Did you go to Smoky go- mountain? <clears throat> yes, I did. Cause I, I live I um, lived in Knoxville in middle school. And we went to those shows. I went to a couple of those shows where, um, or a uh, new Jack cut, cut some of the most racially charged, uh, like probos and stuff. Yeah. 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 It's, it was nuts, man. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he would always like, it would be me my, my friend, my friend, um, John Duncan. His dad was a, a congressman in Knoxville, Tennessee, Republican congressman. We won't get into all that, but, um, we would go to those shows and he'd be like, um, he'd, he'd be, uh, like, like nice to me. And then to get, he'll, he, he'll, you know, uh, just, Crap on everybody in the audience and just say the most stuff. You, yeah, I'd seriously be afraid of something bad happening at that stuff. My mom didn't; she just saw it as silly ass wrestling, so she didn't really, um, take you know, care. But uh, yeah, to back to the original point, I don't know how welcoming of of an environment that stuff is. You know, um, I haven't really studied uh, demographics like that as far as uh, female viewership. But um, like, just speaking as a man, I like AEW is a, is a mixed bag. Um, it's, it's either, um, I, I think that what they're having a hard time doing is uh, capturing um, everybody. They're, I think they're trying to serve every single demographic they can And at, at the end of the day, they end up kind of making everybody upset. Um, and I don't, I don't think it has to be this difficult to, um, put women in prominent, uh, positions or put, uh, minorities in prominent positions. Like, I think it's, I think they, I think they kind of overthink things sometimes, um, Anytime I uh, get a student that's, like, taking forever to take an exam, I always um, just explain to them, like, stop overthinking it. Just get through it, right? And I think AEW is just really, really bad with, like, they um, may- overthinking it or maybe not thinking about it enough. I'm not really sure.
0: How would you say that that has changed for AEW? Let's let's say like of a, like an 18 month window. And, and do you feel like under indexing with a black audience? Is it as simple as, you know, creating black stars and how have they addressed that? And does it, does it, does it go further beyond that? Kind of what we're talking about is just like an overall kind of way you feel about a show. It goes beyond just the representation on the show, but also kind of, the overall quality that, that you're trying yeah. to access this audience with.
1: That's a very good question, And <laughs> That's a, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, uh, they, it's, I don't know if it's a real, like, I can talk about this. Uh, the three of us can talk about this. I can be on the show with Nate and Ray, um, and Andrew and talk about it. I don't know how simple it is, uh, to, to fix these issues with, uh, the black audience. Um, I, I do believe that they do little things here and there, but something isn't connecting. Um, I think if you, I do think if you have one strong, as if you, if you, um, if you have one strong main eventer, um, it could help the black viewership out, um, overall. I really do believe that. Um, I think, um, Losing, um, losing Jade was a, was a big blow to them. Um, because I think they did, even though it was kind of, um, they were slow to kind of get her into the main event scene. I think they were building her up to something. Um, and, um, now she's kind of in WWE and we have no clue when she's going to debut. Um, so I think. That like AEW, I I think if they got like, if they made a big play for um, Mercedes Monet um, and got and signed her, that would be a step in the right direction. But I also believe that when you sign talent, you should have plans for them. And I think that's that's the problem with WWE with Jade at the moment. Um, because I was reading in the Observer, like they signed her, and I guess they thought she wrestled one way, and when they got her, now they're like, "Oh, we got to show her the WWE way." Um, and it's to me, it's like this woman's been on television for three years, and now you you you're you don't you're not satisfied with what you signed, so. I don't know. I think with AEW, I th- I think they could fix this if they just if if TK, you know, just put his mind on it. He's got Will Washington working there right now. Um, hopefully he's talking to him. He's got he's got good people working there. So, um, hopefully they can figure this out. I, I um I um still like AEW. I still watch AEW. Um, I I. You know, I'm not really like both products, um, in this season of both products are just kind of chores for me to watch the CM Punk going back to WWE, which we predicted on, uh, on, uh, the NWA podcast. Um, that's gotten me back kind of into it. I have these spurts where it's like, Oh, this happened. Let me watch and all that. But I do think if you have like, Black stars and you attach them to top talent, um, it could lift, but it can't just be anybody. It's got to be somebody that's you know, resonates with the audiences, right? Like, I think if I had to pick one person, Swerve is having a moment and I think AEW needs to run with him.
0: I also want to ask you Brandon cuz when I was going through like your breakdowns here the one that really jumped out at me is like the the true wonder of the pro wrestling <laughs> ecosystem and that is wow women of wrestling that is just an yeah. anomaly that I mean it has a, the largest percentage of black viewership here with 31% and I mean you could expect like a higher female skew but like 41% like, I look at these, and yes, WoW is not doing, like, AW level numbers, but they're doing a lot better than a lot of these other companies that we give a lot of attention to in Impact and, uh, like, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, like, and I just, I hear nothing ever in terms of feedback on WoW Women of Wrestling. But it has an audience, and, I mean, they have very, like, favorable breakdowns here when, when you're looking at these stats that they're attracting
2: you need to invite genie bus on um but it, yes. it it does have the largest percentage of black viewers, and I was looking at the census data, black people are fourteen percent of the population, so really all of these shows over index relative to that uh despite a w having the smallest percentage uh of of black viewers among all the other shows and and wow does have the highest female viewership too mm-hmm. um
1: yeah. How are those uh, syndication numbers figured for a uh, while? Wow? Because I know um out here um, um, on KCAL nine is where a wow while comes on uh, does did, like it's like every time it airs, does it get like, does that count towards the ratings? So I, or? I think
2: we're looking only at first runs where it does oh, okay. a, around 300,000 viewers or mid 200,000 <coughs> viewers um, every week. But yeah, it, it airs in 100% of the country on syndication on networks like CW uh, on your local affiliates. Um, mm-hmm. But it does larger viewership than
0: uh, impact does on access with smaller coverage. Certainly. Uh, yeah. Uh, New, New Japan. Oh, like three times what, like, an average yeah. impact is doing like a hundred thousand mm-hmm. viewers or so. Granted, right. like access is in a lot less homes, but nonetheless, yeah. it's like within wrestling. I mean, it's
2: there have been weeks where it was, was more viewed than than Rampage, even.
1: Right? Yeah. Wow is a very easy show to find out here. I don't watch it regularly, but you know, it's it's not like Impact it's on voice I,
2: too. It's on cable on voice.
1: Yeah, it's like it's it's a it's like I've got Wow like on my DVR feed. It's recorded a bunch of times. Um, impact, they used to do this weird thing, um, when I would record it, where it would break it up, like each 30 minute block counted as an episode. Um, I think they stopped doing that, but that made it very, very hard to watch, um, for me. Um, but yeah, Wow is, um, I haven't, I have to watch Wow to see what, um like like actually instead of glance at it sit down and watch it to see why they're um doing so well with uh black viewers because that was something that i noticed also i i didn't i thought it was a like an anomaly so i just was like you know but yeah that is
2: and some of it may just be related to who has access to what forms of media um yeah with with while being in syndication but then you look at you you would expect SmackDown to be benefited by that as well, but SmackDown is right on the same level as as Raw and NXT oh, yeah. basically, which are on cable, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a case of uh, you know the CM Punk AJ Lee effect. You know, between both, <laughs> both companies. I know AJ is not there anymore, but none- nonetheless, I like I just look at Wow, and I was like, this is like this. There's an audience for it, and it, like these, these numbers would be very encouraging. The fact they have 100% coverage, that's something Ring of Honor could never achieve in all of its time uh, with Sinclair, no less.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. And we should probably point out, too, that the Hispanic viewership, at least in terms mm-hmm. of percentage, is down for basically everybody over the course of the last two years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just due to other other people of other races coming in and increasing here, but it is a smaller percentage for basically every show than it was two years ago.
0: Yeah, it is. And uh, uh, some of these are really it's, – it's hard to sometimes read these because sometimes I feel it's like the simplistic answer is, well, create um acts that are specifically targeting a Latino audience. I don't think WWE could do much more than having a Rey Mysterio to have an LWO that's pushing a significant degree. You have an attachment to a bad bunny that swoops in every now and mm-hmm. then. I think sometimes it's like there's not a one answer fits all for right because they've going got an uh, audience.
1: Yeah, uh, punishment Martinez. Um, what's Damian Priest. Priest, sorry about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, they got they've got him too. You know, they've got they've got uh, a lot of prominent uh, featured uh, Hispanic people on the show. So, you know,
0: in terms of um some of the educational uh, breakdown, Brandon, what were some of your <coughs> findings, any any big takeaways from that area?
2: Well, we, so if you look at it, this is it's kind of complicated data to look at, but we have – basically we have four different categories here that accounts for everybody, and that's either you have one to three years of high school – and by the way, this is not just – this is not about who the viewer is, but what's the education level of your head of household. So it's not, we're not talking about who's in front of the TV. We're talking about the education level of whoever is the head of household. Um, and it's either basically you had some high school, you have graduated from high school, you have some college or you have four years of college. We might for shorthand say you, you have a bachelor's degree. Um, and it's, it's AEW that has the most people who have Completed a bachelor's degree basically where it's all like a quarter of, of the audience. Their head of household has a four year degree in, in, college or more. Um, and mm-hmm. the others are, are less. We've got a, a bunch of categories here, but, um, it's, it would, it would look like AEW has, uh, the more educated audience, probably still a little bit less so than the population in general. I, I looked for, um, the general population stat on this. And I, I couldn't find something that was just about the head of household, but the next best thing I could find was people over the age of 25. And the percentage uh, of that is to having, I think it's, it's in the 30% range or something like that, but it's uh it's, it's well above even what the best wrestling show is doing here.
0: How do you think this chart is going to be aggregated? Brandon?
2: I've, I've, uh, I've not delved into the the replies uh, of this uh, article being shared on Twitter. Um, the other one is that we have to talk about too is median income. So wh- which viewers have the most money oh, uh, along the same lines? yeah. Sure.
0: A lot of, a lot of nuanced headlines that'll uh, come, come
2: out.
1: Right. Of and I think the, uh, the education level kind of does speak to something because to, in politics, um, in the United States of America, the more liberal you are, the, the more educated you are, the the people tend to swing more liberal and i think AEW being um a lot of people uh, dubbed them the more progressive company um and their ratings um i think you're the one that told me this Brandon like any time there's like something on the news happening um it really hurts AEW's ratings um so i think they you know they might need to um Leaned I, I still wish I had the like knew the black people that were watching AEW so I could kinda like maybe have a more tailored answer. But yeah, I think they they, they might, you know, need to I don't know. Maybe maybe they 'cause anytime they try to go WWE route, I I never like that stuff. So uh
0: uh-huh. Well, these are very fascinating breakdowns. I think when you're looking at this, and on the NXT side, we haven't talked about NXT too much. I mean, it's had gigantic growth over this past year, and they have the X factor of moving to the CW network <clears throat> next year, and in theory, will be more accessible than on the USA network. Um, I mean, they will be in a position where, with with SmackDown leaving Fox, I mean, NXT might be the most uh, the most homes that a WWE program is available in.
2: It probably will be. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing that I, I think people are, are wondering in, in context of this is, is the ad rates. I mean, certainly in terms of the ad revenue that any of these shows can drive is going to be overwhelmingly driven by the viewership. Um, but in terms of cost per viewer, I, I, I do think that W shows, at least for on SmackDown, are probably driving a higher CPM, uh, than AEW shows do, uh, despite AEW shows, uh, having the audience with a higher income and with a higher education level um i I do think w still has the lead just when it comes to independent you know ruling out the differences in viewership uh i I think w does have the advantage in terms of charging for for ads um but if but if anybody in, in aw wants to correct me they can
1: yeah um for the longest time with the cw network too um, we didn't get it on DirecTV out here because there was always they always were fighting with the cable company. I think we just got it back um maybe like a month or two ago, but for the longest time uh the CW was blocked out on DirecTV. So
0: well, before we uh, wrap up with you, Chris, I did want to ask you a little bit. You mentioned the fact that like CM Punk has sort of brought you back into WWE mm-hmm. with the, with the interest level. He's going to be on SmackDown Friday and then on Monday uh, for for Raw as well. What have you thought just uh, of the, the overall handling here? Because uh, I, I did see some of your your posts as well about sort of. Um, you know, th- this is a guy that really did not pay any like significant yeah. <laughs> punishment for this. And, you know, he's, he's in a position where he is going to be in a, in a prime spot and undoubtedly uh, coming in with a gigantic contract on, on top of that into a, a company that is surging in popularity as well.
1: Yeah. He's failing upward. <laughs> That's what we call that in politics. Um, yeah. Um, I, it always, uh, just, Never ceases to amaze me how uh, wrestling fans will just say some, some very hyperbolic stuff like, oh, he'll never come back or this is his last chance. I have no reason to believe that this is his last contract if things go awry. like I, I think he could last a good year or two. He signed a three-year contract. I think the same exact crap. Can happen to him in WWE at the end of his contract and he'll find his way back in AEW, um, feuding with, you know, uh, those elite guys. Um, I think, um, it says more about the way that, uh, wrestling infrastructure works. I mean, who like, and then people were saying WWE doesn't really need him. Like need is such a like funny word you know it's like I I don't like like people don't need to drive Lamborghinis and Rolls Royces and stuff but people drive them you know Um, and I think with a guy like CM Punk it's just um, I, I don't know how a guy like him learns a lesson I don't know how anybody in wrestling that's a main eventer um learns anything you know from you know if if another company is there willing to hire him if there was no um WWE to hire him maybe he would have learned a lesson but there's a, there's always a company that's going to take somebody like um the minute he became a free agent the three of us on on uh, NWA we were like oh, he's going to to WWE that is going to happen um and I wasn't I was judging just by how the past has been I mean I've seen you know a guy stab a guy with scissors <clears throat> and then the, the next year be in WWE you know so it's you know I think WWE's handled it well I do think he's going to be on a short leash as in the sense of, I think he's going to be willing to cooperate. I don't think it's going to be a situation where WWE is just going to just give him bull crap and he's just going to be forced to have to accept it. I do think it's going to be a symbiotic relationship, um, where both sides are going to kind of have to, um, and I, I don't think, I don't think Triple H is going to purposely give this guy something that he just doesn't want to do. Um and once that stuff starts happening, his contract will probably be up and I just don't see wrestlers of CM Punk status ever learning lessons. Um or ever, you know, having to if there's two companies, one company's gonna want the other person. That's my take on that.
0: It is one um, you know, certain like benefit or or deterrent whatever you want to call it when you have these two competing companies like star power is always going to win out and that was the the x factor here for uh, a cm punk like this was not five years ago where you know you are out of one company and you're you're shut out from a mainstream setting i mean there is always going to be forgiveness when you are a star that is perceived to be able to uh make a valuable difference and there's there's no arguing that from the return the response that it got and and what it's going to get in subsequent appearances as well and how they can maintain that and keep it going but it is uh i I did find it to be you know uh worthwhile observation on on your part as well uh, you can hear Chris, uh, every month on the NWA podcast with Nate Milton and Andrew Thompson. They are going to be back, uh, a week from Sunday. So you can, uh, check out, uh, their latest as they will be, uh, breaking down, I am sure the, uh, the CM Punk return and whatever else is going on in the pro wrestling industry as they close out, uh, 2023. And, uh, I know you're a busy man, Chris. What else is going on? You've, you've got a book in, uh, in the works as well <clears throat> and, uh, and battling COVID as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, the COVID thing, I it just it, like I woke up in the morning feeling like a bunch of people like punched me in the stomach a thousand times, but um yeah, I'm uh, the I'm working on this book and that's still just kind of I was hoping 2024, it's looking probably like 2025 now. Um I um what's going? I was hoping to be in Philly this year, but I or next year. I don't think that's going to happen because I have to go to, um, Columbia, uh, at, uh, bio to bio accelerator to get, um, stem cell treatment. So I've got, um, I've got the Ray Mysterio plan, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to be on the Ray Mysterio plan, man. He's like the, like mean, um, Kevin Nash
0: swear by this stuff.
1: Oh yeah, man. It's, it's, it costs $30,000. So it, it better work, man. Um, I mean, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you know, it's 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 a lot of money, man. And I—that's that's um, prime
0: AEW household income, right there.
1: Right. <laughs> and uh, my uh, yeah, my my wife is the one that kinda uh, convinced me to uh, do it. So, um, you know, it's you know, it's 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 it's, it's a lot. But um, yeah. So um. The, my main focus right now on the wrestling side of things is just doing uh, a, a good poke, poca- a, a good podcast for a post. And um just, you know, once, you know, once you've kind of have like certain health issues and all that, it starts putting, you know, life's ills in perspective. So I'm just happy to be, uh, part of the post network right now. And just once I get past this season of my life, you know, the, the goals can be a little bit more um, lofty. I can, I can kind of um, start thinking bigger, right? Well, Chris, we, uh, we always, uh, enjoy having
0: you on to, to chat. We'll be, uh, checking out your next show, the NWA podcast. A must listen every month with, uh, with Andrew, Nate and Chris and, uh, Andrew Thompson is going to be on with me uh, later tonight for rewind to dynamite. So I'm getting almost the full NWA podcast experience today. Uh, thanks as always, Chris. And, uh, we'll do this again sometime.
1: All right, cool. Thanks Thanks,
0: guys. Peace. All right. That was, uh, Chris from LA, a man who's, uh, Calls I was screening 20 years ago on on, really? on the law, so yes, uh, okay. a, a loyal uh, listener going years back and now part of the uh, the post wrestlenomics network itself. But uh, some <laughs> great breakdowns <laughs> there, uh, Brandon. I found them to be really uh, the, the wow factor was my my biggest. The wow factor. Yeah, it was the wow, eye opening. It's like this this is just the anomaly of all pro wrestling companies. We really should get Jeannie Bus on if she if she knows anything about yeah. wow. Like how hands on do you think she is with this thing? Like, she's Not obviously very, a big pro wrestling uh, fan, or at least through Dave McLean is a, I think she funds it it
2: and she makes sure it makes sure it's on TV. Um, but I don't think, I doubt she's very involved other than that. I I hope you can't hear there's, there's a guy climbing a tree with a chainsaw and is sawing away at a, at a tree that's like in somebody else's backyard or something. So hopefully it's okay. It's,
0: it's decent ambience, uh, before we uh, get on out of here, which, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, just, just some of the numbers from, uh, the past, couple of nights, we had a uh, collision on Saturday night, which was going against two college football games that I think did over 17 million viewers combined and uh, collision, uh, at least got a bit of a bump up. And I would say in, in this time period for collision, 453,000 viewers 0. 0.14. I think they're more than happy to take those numbers during a uh, football season and on a WWE free weekend. The highest
2: since October 28th and total viewership. the highest since October 21st in, in the demo, Granted, they've had some low numbers in that time. Uh, but this was a better number, uh, than they've done in the past, but it's, it's in the 400s. I mean, you look at the earlier days of, of collision, they were doing in the 500s. Um, but this is, uh, it's just one of those weeks where it's like, it's, it, it had better be up after doing some of their lowest ratings yet for the show. Yeah. So
0: this Saturday, they will go against deadline and then, um, it's going to be the NFL for the remainder of December that will have Saturday night games that they will be contending against. So we will see what will have the bigger impact NXT deadline or an NFL game.
2: That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think we all kind of felt like, well, NXT PLE is not going to hurt it as much as the main roster would. And it, and it hurt it just as badly (laughs) the last time. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would guess maybe wrestling slightly more. Um, but, but NFL competition is going to, crush it too, I'm sure.
0: And Monday's episode of Raw, this was a a somewhat of, of, well, it was a come down from the week prior, but still their second largest numbers uh, during football season this year. 1,533,000 viewers, 0. 0.49 in the demo. This was going up against the, uh, the Bengals and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And yes, the Jaguars prevailed over Raw uh, with the football game doing million viewers they also had a pair of the uh the in-season tournament games from the nba going on at the same time as well so this was and for a show that did not have cm punk nor randy orton like the previous week
2: yes tony khan beat raw
0: uh, That's it. Head some Headline, Headline
2: City, that, right there. Yeah. Yes, uh, I mean it was. If you look at it in terms of like what it did from the prior week, uh, if I look at the, like the charts here and, and look at, so here for people watching a video, you hear this big spike here is the CM Punk uh, return. It's slightly over what it was doing the week prior, but it's right back in, into the normal range. So it's not like. You can't look at this and tell yourself a narrative of like, "Oh, CM Punk is back," and that has helped them and maintain viewers. Although it did do a very good uh, rating last week uh, because of that and the post Survivor
0: Series buzz and and Randy Orton too. So I was uh I was like calculating the numbers on Tuesday, and my my in, reference in, in yours Microsoft Word is that what it you was
2: calculations?
0: Yes, I I go like always to Brandon's viewership spreadsheet and. I'm putting in the numbers and I'm like, whoa, I'm looking at this. How did it lose this much? I'm looking I was like, I was about to message you. I was like, is this our lowest 18 to 49 ever? And I realized I put in the collision number where it was the raw number uh, right across and then uh had to fix my mistake. So nonetheless. Not as bad as I had initially thought it was. I, I learned on
2: a recent uh, Ask Away that that it's one of your ambitions to learn how to do spreadsheets in Excel. So uh, I'm, I'm standing by and ready to help you with that. At you know,
0: any I I do have people in my life that are experts. Between my wife and you, um, like are brilliant at, at Excel, and I am. I do not excel at Excel. So that you
2: is. Don't, so you like. You, you don't feel like you have like rudimentary skills at using
0: excel it's, it feels pretty intuitive right you're just doing math it's um i i i do not i am sure if I could learn all the, all the formulas and such it would be a uh if someone showed me i i think i would get it I could probably just punch up a tutorial and do pretty basics like i'm not i'm not exactly doing like algorithms here it's like like this like just, this hour plus this hour plus this hour divide by three is like
2: you don't feel like you could you could add a couple of these cells together. You just all you gotta do is like press equals and then you start referencing other cells and you add you have them get added
0: together. Yeah. I've just had the simplicity of word for all this time. You know, when I uh if I ever write a will, I'm gonna leave Brandon my my word my word doc of uh ratings going back uh years and years and years. I, I don't even he can just know what that Shake looks his like. head and be like, what <laughs> What is he doing here? This is insane. Um, so anyway, uh, definite differences here. Brandon uh, on the cutting edge with Excel, uh, but there you go. So uh, I, I would still say say a f- like a fine number for RAW. Um, that was obviously going to be down this week, and we'll see what the the CM Punk effect is. It's tribute to the troops on Friday. Mm-hmm. We're getting a musical. Uh, some group playing the the War and the Treaty are playing. This is a husband and wife duo that are going to be performing on SmackDown. Cannot say I am familiar with the war and the treaty. Why? It's tribute to the troops. So it okay. is uh time are to play music. Be singing something patriotic.
2: Is this uh remember Georgia Florida line, their special appearance? Oh, song? they have their favorite
0: the Hardy. Course. Hardy is providing a song, not, not prox with Jen Hardy, but rather uh Hardy. I don't know. It's some anti-political theme that they have. An anti-political theme. He said, uh, I looked up these lyrics. It's, I'm not talking about politics and he just sings about small town values, wow. but this is not politics he's talking about. So uh, maybe CM Punk's going to have to introduce uh, the war and the treaty. We'll get to do the musical uh, introduction. Wait, and, and Hardy is going to be there too. I don't know if he's going to be there, but they did know he Hardy is one of the official themes of tribute to the troops.
2: I'm talking about the sun coming up and the sun coming down on a John Deere Yes, Turn up it. on a hard work check. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> making that blue-collar go- country boy's neck red. I'm talking about the color of them jerseys on a Friday night. At the end of another long, hot, dry summer,
0: between the dust and the rust, the trucks are half-covered in red.
2: Those are some of the
0: lyrics there. Sounds me. like Dana White's playlist is seeping its way into WWE offerings. So that yes. is uh, We're think about Dana White. He's, he's backing up Elon Musk. No sponsors are going to tell us what to do.
2: Is he, is he endorsing Elon Musk explicitly? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's,
0: uh, he's, uh, he's backing Elon
2: Musk as well. Well, there's, there's an Ari Emanuel triangle there. So. it's all, all the, all the connections.
0: Well, there you have it, everyone. You are now up to date on everything going on in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, coming up this week, we have patreon.com slash Russell as Jesse, Chris and Brandon will be live this Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. I'm sure with no shortage of uh, great topics to discuss. I hope you have a, a thorough, review of tribute to the troops and, and whatever Hardy does and the latest in CM punk news. Yes. Jesse is out this weekend. Um,
2: I'm hoping to do a, which I've done some work on an an AEW revenue estimate, um, which I've done in, in years past. Um, I'm sure the revenue will be up. I have a pretty good idea of what I, of the range that I'm in, but we'll, I should finalize that by Sunday and we'll talk about that on the program.
0: All right. Look out for all of that. Uh, again, I will be live tonight with Andrew Thompson on rewind to dynamite. Waiting is off on vacation this week, all the way in the oh, Dominican right. Republic with a, uh, with a one-year-old child. So, um, let's all wish the best for, uh, for waiting on his first family adventure. And then a Friday night, rewind to SmackDown at a uh, post wrestling Neil Flanagan will be with me. Uh, On the show, we will chat about Tribute to the Troops and uh, be taking your calls as well. So you can go uh, check out all of that, and uh, that's going to wrap up the show. So a big thank you to Chris Ely for joining us, all of you for joining us live or downloading the show after the fact. For Brandon, I am John. Goodbye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.